Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for today and for this opportunity that we have to be together, God. And um, I do pray for our time together today, Lord. I thank you uh, that we have the privilege to, to meet together, God. And I do pray for those uh, across this world that have to meet in secret, God. Father, that you would strengthen and encourage them this day, Lord. And I just pray for our time, Father, that we would be able to focus and uh, fix our eyes upon you and that uh, our hearts would be good soil today, Father. And we thank you that you are sovereign above all things, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
Cause your name 
Father, we thank you for this day, God. And Father, I do pray that that would be the cry of our hearts, that this is for you. That all that we do and say each day as those who are trusted in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that all that we do and say, God, will be for you. All for your glory, all for your honor, all for your fame. To make you known in a generation that by the look of it is godless. But yet, Father, you're moving. And you're raising up your children to be the light in this darkened world. People who will walk by faith and not by sight. A community of believers, God. Father, who would love the Lord their God with all of their heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. And then love others, God. Awaken us, O oh God, this day to the call of a disciple to deny ourselves, to pick up the cross, and to follow you. May we be established in Christ and the hope of Christ, knowing that hope in Christ would never bring disappointment. No matter our circumstances, for you are good, and your love endures forever. So I pray today, God, that we would remain attentive to, to the leading of your Holy Spirit. God, that we would have a desire to grow and to mature as Christians. And if there be any among us today, God, who, who are not saved, who are not Christians, God, I pray that... Father, that you would draw them to yourself, Lord, that you would open their eyes, that you would awaken them, Lord, and that they would come and accept this free gift, salvation only through Christ Jesus, to be reconciled to the Father, to be at peace with God. And I thank you for this, Lord. So bless the reading of your word, I pray. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Psalm 34, verse 14. Who knows it? Turn from evil and do good. Search for peace. Search for peace. And work hard to maintain it. So a couple of you. It's been about seven months now, but maybe you have a few more months for everyone to learn it. It's a short little verse. Turn from evil and do good. Search for peace and work hard to maintain it. It's vital. It's vital as believers to really grasp this simple verse and yet full of such truth. How as believers can we continue to turn from evil and do good? Well, we recognize that it's not within our own selves, but it's to depend upon the Holy Spirit whom has been given to us when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Remember, Jesus tells us that we must be born again, born of the Spirit. 
See, when you come to Jesus, you're born again. You're of a new nature now. You're walking differently. You're talking differently. Your desires are changing. You're being transformed, and the Bible says, and the way that takes place is by changing the way you think. You once thought this way. You once thought as a sinner. You once thought as someone who was wounded. You once thought as someone who was rebellious to God's kingdom. But when you come to Christ, your mind and your thoughts begin to change. That's why the Bible says to take thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's vital that as Christians that we do not remain ignorant to the things of God. We're to be growing in them. To search for peace and to work hard to maintain it. Community is vital in the Christian faith. That's why the Lord has given us the church. A group, a body of believers throughout the earth. And then you have the local church. Where people connect. Where they grow and build relationships. Encouraging each other edifying each other, building each other up to turn from evil and to do good, to seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it. Because we recognize that we belong to Christ. And as people see us, they see Him. And so if we're claiming His name, then we should live lives that are honoring Him. Turning from evil and doing good. Searching for peace and working hard to maintain it. Building community. Honoring God. Loving Him. Loving each other. So that others on the outside look in and say there's something different about them. There's something different. And there ought to be. Because we're Christians. If you're sitting here today and you're calling yourself a Christian then allow your heart and your mind to be transformed by the very one in whom you say is God. Remember, as we're studying through the Bible, God is without fault. And yet, though, you can look on social media, you can look at the news, you can talk to people, and everyone has a beef with God. The majority of people that you may talk with who are not believers, and some of them potentially think that they're believers it seems like there's a move to blame God for everything but I want you to be encouraged this day that there is no fault that can be found in God Amen. you must grasp this lest you be led astray by false teaching you must have a fullness and an understanding of who God is he's God you all and he is good. And there is no fault within him. Everyone has an excuse for their sin. Everyone has an excuse for their rebellion. They want God to, to love them in the midst and, and not change them. Yes, God loves everyone. But it's because of his love that we're learning and we're remembering that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. That whoever believes in Jesus will have everlasting life. Have everlasting life. His grace, 
transforms us. It doesn't continue to give us the license to sin. We must be very careful in this day and age in which we're living that the blood of Jesus, even in the church, is being made common as if it's nothing, that there's no power in it. We must be very careful in this day and age as believers to the messages that we're listening to that makes the crucifixion and the resurrection worth nothing. We must be careful to whom we're giving our ear to. We must, as believers, grow. And as the Word of God says, that our roots grow down deep so that we're growing, that we're maturing, that we're loving. God is good, you all. And there is no fault within him. And as we're studying, as we're seeing, remember his purpose is to have a people that he can call his own and that they in return will call him their God. Like God, the creator of heaven and earth, desires us for all eternity. Listen, we're only passing through this world. This isn't our final stop. As believers... We hold the truth for mankind. The truth isn't found in all these other religions. Jesus himself says, I'm the only way. I'm the only way to God. Try as you may with your false gods, but they will not get you anywhere. I'm the only way. And this is the good news. And yet I would ask us and I would challenge us, why aren't we sharing it? Why aren't we allowing others to know that there's good news? It's the greatest news of all. The news of the love of Christ. The news that He came to save us. To deliver us from our selfish ways, our destructive ways our perverse thinking, our murmuring and our complaining. Like he came to deliver us because he knew our condition. He knew our condition. Remember, he's not holding out a stiff arm saying you can't come. No, he's saying come. Yes, come the way you are. But in coming the way you are, you're going to be born again. That's what I'm telling you. You've got to be careful when you hear the gospel preach and it keeps giving you the right to yourself. Oh, live however you want. And I keep seeing churches. And I use that term loosely because I keep seeing these group of people who say they identify with God trying to find favor with sinners and not God. Making excuses for people's sin, no matter what the sin is, because they don't want to offend them but they're offending God. That's what I'm telling you. His blood cannot be made common. What he did on the cross and and the power of his resurrection delivers us from sin and death. So what is this craziness and this foolishness within the church that continues to try to find favor with man? We'll dumb down his message so that you will accept him. And you'll never find that in the Bible. 
That's why I'm hoping as we're studying that you're coming exciting, excited to hear, to learn of your God, to see Him from the beginning as we're working our way to the end, to see Him for His fullness so that you know how to live in a darkened world. Can I tell you one thing? Mm -hmm. um, from last week's message, I know I don't get to come to deeper study or whatnot, mm -hmm. but it really hit home when for the altar, he didn't even want the stones polished. Mm. Like, he even wanted the stones as they were. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about that all week. Yeah. That's beautiful. <clears throat> That's God, you all. Man cannot add to what God has already done. Man can't. Only God. He's awesome, you all. And he gets a bad rap. And he always has, because the enemy wants to come in. And remember, the enemy's purpose is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus says, but I've come to give you life. And why are we running from life? Why are we continuing to go into the depths of this world and keep getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier and dirtier and somehow think that just showing up for church is okay with God? It isn't. It isn't. We must be awakened. We must be shaken to the very core to ensure that our eyes are set on the one who is our creator. It is sad <clears throat> that today more people worship the created and miss out on worshiping their creator. God, you all remember as we talked about last week, he wants to establish, establish a covenant community. And in so, bring order. <coughs> Even when things are chaotic, he wants to bring order. Because ultimately, it's about revealing who he is. I mean, if you know scripture, you know that scripture is even crying out. I mean, creation is even crying out for the Lord's return. Creation. Creation. And Jesus is returning you all. And we're to be effective laborers in the harvest. We're to be praying for laborers. Because the Bible says that the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. But the laborers are few. And there ought not to be few laborers because churches are packed. <coughs> There's thousands of conferences taking place and they're packed full of thousands of people and yet we come into conferences, we come into church and then we fall right back. But are you being effective? Are you telling others about Jesus? Are you encouraging them? Not beating them down? Remember, people have a right to live however they want. They have a right. But don't dumb down the gospel. <laughs> no, give them the fullness of the gospel. But allow them first to see the fullness of the gospel being lived in and through you. Because if your presentation of the gospel doesn't match your life, something's wrong. Because why would you be offering hope in Christ if you yourself don't have the hope? No, you must have the hope of Christ. You don't need to know the fullness of this to minister to others. Because when God changes your life, 
That's all you need to tell them. Well, you used to do it this way. I don't anymore. Oh, you see, Jesus stepped into my life. He's revealed himself to me. People may not understand, but don't give up sharing who Jesus is. Loving him. You're never going to be perfect, but honor him. Honor him. Like, this is good news, you all. And I shared with you last week and yesterday, it was 21 years ago that I gave my life to Jesus. At 2.30 in the afternoon, I fought not to give my whole life to him. Surely he must love me so I can just stay this way or I can just keep doing this, these things. But he kept pursuing me <laughs> as he does each of us. And there finally had to come a time where I had to surrender. He didn't force me. But he kept revealing himself to me. And how can you continue to look in the face of love? In the face of God? And keep denying him. No, there had to come a time where I was like, Okay, God, I surrender. I willingly surrender. Not forced. I willingly walk away. I give this up. I don't know how to live now. So I have to trust you. And that is with all of us. When we give our lives to Christ, we don't know how to live now. So now we pursue him. How do we live now? How do we go about our day-to-day -day lives loving God and learning of God? Because I hated him the majority of my life. I hated Jesus. The majority of my life, from a young kid, all through my teenage years, to my young adult, I hated him. I blamed him for everything. And it's funny that I would blame him when I didn't believe in him. <laughs> but that's what we do. We don't even believe in him, and yet we say, he's at fault. <laughs> how, can he, how can someone you don't believe in be at fault? That doesn't make sense. Oh, but when you get a glimpse of who he is and you just recognize the love that he has for you, I'm telling you, nothing can compare to it. Nothing on this earth can compare to the love of Jesus. Nothing. Man has tried for centuries to find themselves and fill themselves with everything that's out there. And they're never satisfied. The people who are satisfied are people who have found Christ. Like he's relentless. He's continually pursuing us, you all. No matter where you're at in your walk right now, he is pursuing you. Like I'm real. I'm alive. I'm resurrected. I love you. Come to me. Come out of darkness and come into light. Turn from following the evil one who only steals, kills, and destroys and come to me, the author of life. Like I long to have you with me for eternity and why are you settling for the temporalness of this world that is this is is destructive and it ultimately will be destroyed. Like for many years, I lived craving the things of this world. 
the attitudes of this world. And yet when your eyes are open and you see the filth and you go, oh God, why would I have longed for all of that? It's because of the nature I was born in. The nature you were born in. Sin. Oh, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And he gives us the power to walk upright in a crooked generation. Turning from evil and doing good. Seeking for peace and working hard to maintain it. Go to Exodus chapter 21. We're picking up. And again, last week we opened up that God is now establishing law and order if you would, among his people. God himself. And sometimes as you're reading through these scriptures, you can say, oh, wow. But I want you to remember as we're reading through it, even though it may not make sense to you, you can trust the fact that God had a purpose. You see, having law and order is vital to a nation to continue to be maintained. Once law and order is given up and nothing is established, no rule of law, no order, rather it's in the government, rather it's in homes, rather it's in schools, rather it be wherever in the nation, once it is removed, chaos. Chaos. Remember, what does the enemy come to do? Steal, kill, and to destroy. So you remove law and you remove order. That's all you got. Chaos. But God is setting a people aside that would honor him. Now we're going to learn of the Israelites. They come in and they come out. They're honoring God one season, next season forget God. And yet we can't blame them because that's how we live at times. And we ought not to live. That's why in the New Testament, it tells us the reason why we need to pay close attention to the, to the Israelites and the, what happened to them is because now that we're in a new covenant with Jesus, don't think now that the, that the grips of discipline and destruction have lightened. No, in fact, it's worse. So many people want to push the new covenant and forget the old covenant and pretend like the new covenant is of nothing. Oh, but no, 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 no. We have understanding that Jesus now has been crucified. He is now resurrected. He is now sitting at the right hand of the throne of God where he is inter interceding for us. He's planning on returning. His wrath is being stored up. But remember, the Bible says that he longs for none to perish. He longs for everyone to come to him. But God has established laws and order so that we can be governed and have an accountability so that we're not just running wild. And so we must learn, even though we may not comprehend fully of the customs of that day, it still applies for us today. Because how should a believer live? With accountability. 
with discipline, with law and order? How should a nation be ruled with law and order? How should a home function with law and order? Without it, remember, it's chaos. It's chaos. And so we pick up verse 22 of chapter 21. And we're going to read through chapter 23, verse 13. So now suppose two men are fighting, and in the process, they accidentally strike a pregnant woman, so she gives birth prematurely. If no further injury results, the man who struck the woman must pay the amount of compensation the woman's husband demands, and the judges approve. But if there is no further injury, the punishment must match the injury. A life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, a bruise for a bruise. If a man hits his male or female slave in the eye and the eye is blinded, he must let the slave go free to compensate for the eye. And if a man knocks out the tooth of one of his male or female slave, he must let the slave go free to compensate for the tooth. If an ox gorges a man or a woman to death, the ox must be stoned and its flesh may not be eaten. In such a case, however, the owner will not be held liable. But suppose the ox and the reputation has a reputation for gorging, and the owner had been informed but failed to keep it under control. If the ox then kills someone, it must be stoned, and the owner must also be put to death. However, the dead person's relative may accept payment to compensate for the loss of the life. The owner of the ox may redeem his life by paying whatever is demanded. The same regulation applies if the ox gorges a boy or a girl. But if the ox gorges a slave, either male or female, the animal's owner must pay the slave owner 30 silver, silver coins, and the ox must be stoned. Suppose someone digs or uncovers a pit and, fall and fails to cover it, the owner of the pit must pay full compensation to the owner of the animal, but then he gets to keep the dead animal. If someone's ox injures a neighbor, a neighbor's ox, and the injured ox dies, then the two owners must sell the live ox and divide the price equally between them. They must also divide the dead animal. But if the ox had a reputation for gorging, yet its owners failed to keep it under control, he must pay full compensation. A live ox for the dead one, but he may keep the dead ox. And you say, wow. Do I really need to know this? Do I really need to read through these scriptures? Yes, we do. Because again, there's order being established. These are rules and these are laws. This is how they are to be governed. This is how they are to handle matters that come up among the community. Protection of property, the next chapter. If someone steals an ox or sheep and then kills it or sells it, the thief must pay back five oxen for each ox stolen and four sheep for each sheep stolen. 
If a thief's caught in the act of breaking into a house and is struck and killed in the process, the person who killed the thief is not guilty of murder. But if it happens in daylight, the one who killed the thief is guilty of murder. A thief who is caught must pay in full for everything he stole. He cannot pay. If he cannot pay, he must be sold as a slave to pay for his theft. If someone steals an ox or a donkey or a sheep and it is found in a thief's possession, then the thief must pay double the value of the stolen animal. If an animal is grazing in a field or vineyard and the owner lets it stray into someone else's field to graze, then the, owner, then the animal's owner must pay compensation for the best of its own grapes and grain. If you are burning thorn bushes and the fire gets out of control and spreads into another person's field, destroying the sheaves of the unclean grain or the whole crop, the one who started the fire must pay for the lost crop. Suppose someone leaves money or goods with a neighbor for safekeeping and they are stolen from the neighbor's house. If the thief is caught, the compensation is double the value of what was stolen. But if the thief is not caught, the neighbor must appear before God who will determine if he stole the property. Suppose there is a dispute between two people who both claim to own a particular ox, donkey, sheep, article of clothing, or any lost property. Both parties must come before God, and the party whom God declares guilty must pay double compensation to the other. Now suppose someone leaves a donkey, ox, sheep, or any other animal with a neighbor for safekeeping, but it dies, or it's injured, or gets away, and no one sees what happens. The neighbor must then take an oath in the presence of the Lord. If the Lord confirms that the neighbor did not steal the property, the owner must accept the verdict, and no payment will be required. But if the animal, animal was indeed stolen, the guilty person must pay compensation to the owner. If it was torn to pieces by a wild animal, the remains of the carcass must be shown as evidence, and no compensation will be required. If someone borrows an animal from a neighbor and it is injured or dies when the owner is absent, the person who borrowed it must pay full compensation. But if the owner was present, no compensation is required. And no compensation is required if the animal was rented for the losses covered by the rental fee. See, when you read all that, I don't know if the one word comes to you to mind, but this is what comes to mind, accountability. Accountability. If you do wrong, you gotta make it right. Bottom line. That's what we're hearing. You must be held accountable. Because if you allow, if you allow someone to get away with a little, they're gonna get away with much. If someone's allowed to continue to steal, to kill, and to destroy, then it's only going to continue. There must be accountability. So let's move on to social responsibility. Verse 16. If a man seduces a virgin who is not engaged to anyone and has sex with her, he must pay the customary bride price and marry her. But if her father refuses to let him marry her, the man must still pay him an amount equal to the bride to the bride price of a virgin. You must, second one, you must not allow a sorceress to live. Next one, anyone who has sexual relationships with an animal must certainly be put to death. 
Anyone who sacrifices to any god other than the Lord must be destroyed. You must not mistreat, mistreat or oppress foreigners in any way. Remember, you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must not exploit a widow or orphan. If you exploit them in any way and they cry out to me, then I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will blaze against you and I will kill you with the sword. Then your wives will be widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people who are in need, do not charge interest as a moneylender would. If you take your neighbor's cloak as security for a loan, you must return it before sunset. This coat may be the only blanket your neighbor has. How can a person sleep without it? If you do not return it, your neighbor cries out to me for help. Then I will hear, for I am merciful. You must not dishonor God or curse any of your rulers. You must not hold anything back when you give me offerings from your crops and your wine. You must give me your firstborn son. You must also give me the firstborn of your cattle, sheep, and goats. But leave the newborn animal with its mother for seven days, then give it to me on the eighth day. You must be my holy people. Therefore, do not eat any animal that has been torn up and killed by wild animals. Throw it to the dogs. This is God, you all. He's setting up order. He's setting up accountability. He's, he's reminding them of who he is. And it's so vital that not only they, but us today, honor God and all that we say and do. Honor the rulers who have been put in place, those in authority over us. We may not agree with them, but we must learn how to honor them as we're honoring God. It's vital that y'all hear this. The authorities over you, rather it's the government authorities, rather it's teachers, rather it's parents, rather it's grandparents, rather whoever it is that is authority, authority over us, we must learn to honor them as we're honoring God. And if we do wrong, we must learn to do right. And we ought not to be led astray <clears throat> by the wickedness of this world, not turning to other gods or to other religions. Like he's laying down, like I am God. And I long for you to live honoring me. And I will bless your days. I will provide for you. I will care for you. I'm going to protect you. So he's laying out this understanding on how they must live. A call for justice, chapter 23. We're only going through verse 13. You must not pass along false rumors. You must not cooperate with evil people by lying on the witness stand. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you are called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice. And do not slant your testimony in favor of a person just because that person is poor. If you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that has strayed away, take it back to its owner. 
If you see that the donkey of someone you, who hates you has collapsed under its load, do not walk by. Instead, stop and help. In a lawsuit, you must not deny justice to the poor. Be sure never to ch charge anyone falsely with evil. Never sentence an innocent or blameless person to death. For I never declare a guilty person to be innocent. Take no bribes. For a bribe makes you ignore something that you clearly see. A bribe makes even a righteous person twist the truth. You must not oppress foreigners. You know what it's like to be a foreigner. For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. Plant and harvest your crops for six years. But let the land be renewed and lie uncultivated during the seventh year. Then let the poor among you harvest whatever grows on its own. Leave the rest for wild animals to eat. The same applies for your vineyards and your olive groves. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But on the seventh day, you must stop working. This gives your ox and your donkey a chance to rest. It also allows your slaves and foreigners living among you to be refreshed. And pay close attention to all my instructions. You must not call on the name of any other gods. Do not even speak their names. This is God, you all. God is speaking. God. And again, there's no fault found in him. He's not doing this to be a hard taskmaster. Because he knows what is good. He knows how we should live. So he's instructing us. So I want you to think about your week and where you've been and how you've acted and what, you, what you've said, what you've thought. Are you honoring God? Are you trusting Him? Are you bearing witness to Him? If you're not, if you've had some bad days, some bad attitudes, you've given in to the flesh, if you're a Christian, repent. Turn to God. Ask Him for forgiveness. He loves you. He wants you to be restored. If you're not a Christian, then I would implore you to come to God. Accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins and turn to Him. And then allow Him to be Lord of your life. Remember what I said earlier? How does he transform us? By changing the way we think. By leaving the unruliness of life, the self-centered life, and then trusting him with our life to allow him to lead us. As he was doing here with them, so he longs to do with us. Bring order to our lives. Don't be a liar. Don't be a backbiter. Don't be a thief. Don't be bound by perversion. Don't lust. Don't, don't, don't desire what everyone else has. Don't be so self-centered and wounded and, and, and defeated. That's not how we're to live. We're the people of God. And God is for us. He's not against us. If these people would have just listened and followed God's commandments... There were some who did. But unfortunately, the whole nation, the majority of them, 
they longed for other gods. They longed for their pleasure and their purpose. And these people witnessed God like we have never witnessed Him. And yet they still turned from Him. And that shows you the wickedness of mankind. Because when we're born, we're born of sin. We're born in rebellion towards God. But God longs for us to be reborn, a new life. Do you have to teach a baby to be selfish? No. They already become selfish because they're born into sin. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Meet my need, meet my need, meet my need, meet my need. If you don't do for me, I'm going to act ugly. I'm going to cry. I'm going to throw a tantrum. It comes natural to all of us. That's the works of the flesh. But when we give our lives to Christ, no matter what age we are, once we accept Jesus, he begins to do this new work in us. And he goes, Rob, stop throwing a tantrum. Rob, don't speak that way. Rob, don't touch that. Rob, don't look at those things. Rob, don't think those thoughts. He begins to prompt us to do what's right. Not in and of our own selves, but in Him. This newness of life. Because He's preparing us for His kingdom. To live in eternity with Him. A place of no more sickness, no more disease. A place of peace where there be no more tears. A place that He has prepared for us. And oh, as believers... We should be expecting. Go to Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to read verses 1 through 28. Matthew 24. Jesus is still speaking. So listen up. These are Jesus' words. Remember he had his confrontation with the religious men of the day. Men who should have known him, but they didn't. They thought they were in relationship with God, but they weren't. Look at people's lives, you all. Careful who you are allowing to, to speak into your ear. If they're saying they're a Christian, but they're not living like one, they're not a Christian. We need to understand this. If you're saying you're a Christian and you're not living like one, you're not a Christian. Oh, but pastor, I don't believe that. Well, look in your Bible. You're not to be a hearer of the word. You're to be a doer of the word. There's a lot of people hearing the word, but they're not living it. Christians are to live it. We're to bear fruit. Not to be perfect, but we are to be bearing fruit. Because we're honoring God. We're learning how to live now as people of God's kingdom. And Jesus is serious about it. He's so much serious about it, and he so much loves his bride, the church, he laid his life down for them. So we ought to understand the ways of God. 
to trust him, even when times are hard, because Jesus himself says, you're going to have trouble in this world because they hated me, so they're going to hate you. But be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. If you're looking at your, through your eyes and, and all you see is chaos and no hope, then allow yourself to trust in God. Because even when circumstances are out of order, God is in order. And if you're a Christian, you can look up. And if you're looking up, your eyes aren't on what's all before you. That's chaotic. God will see you through. And even if death was to come, death has already been defeated. So you don't have to be afraid of death. I love the scripture where it says that Jesus came to defeat the fear of death. As Christians, we ought not to fear death. And I was afraid of dying since I was a little kid. I, there was months and years I would go with lack of sleep because I was afraid of death. It wasn't until I gave my life to Christ that I truly began to embrace the fullness of life. Why am I? I'm not afraid to die anymore. Because I recognize as a believer, Jesus has already conquered death. And I recognize that my hope is not in this world and in this life. My hope is in Him. And He's preparing a place for me. And all who will believe to live for eternity. The hope that's in Christ. That's why when our loved ones die as believers, we don't mourn like the world mourns. The people who don't know Jesus, they mourn deeply because they have no hope of seeing them again. But as believers in Christ, we mourn differently. Yes, we mourn. Yes, we grieve. But there is a hope that we have. But on the day that he returns... That not only are we in, 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 in encountering him and coming in, into a place of his presence, but in his kingdom. Those who have passed and gone before us who were Christians are waiting. Oh, the beauty of the, of the Lord's return. So we must be watchful. We must be diligent. We must serve. We must help others. We must see that the harvest fields are ripe, and we must be going forth telling others about Jesus. And again, if they don't want to hear about Jesus, respect them. But at least be honest with them. And don't condone their lifestyle and their sin. No. The Bible says that you're going to be a scent, a stench of death to those who want to remain sinful. They want to live however they want to live. But to those who long for something, you're going to be a fragrance of life. And they're going to come to Jesus. Jesus, in this section that we're entering here, is now going to begin to foretell the future. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, 
Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yet these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of the birth pains and war will come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Wait a minute, Jesus. This is really harsh. Where's the good news in the midst of this? Just give us hugs and muffins. Give us donuts. Make us feel good, Jesus. Give us our big homes and our lots of money. Give us everything we want. Yeah, Jesus says these words. And yet, we have preachers preaching their words. Listen. Jesus does not mince words. This was way back within. Speaking of today and the days to come, if you haven't noticed, it's getting crazier and crazier out there. There's wars and rumors of wars, wars, earthquakes, famines. The love of many are growing cold. Violence is spreading. Things are looking chaotic. Homes are in disorder. People's lives are a hot mess. And yet Jesus says, don't panic. Don't be afraid. Like, I've got this. All of this has to happen. All of it has to happen. Look, the love of many is going to grow cold. Sin will be rampant everywhere. They will begin to hate Christians. Listen, Christians have been hated since the beginning. Since the church was birthed. Christians have been persecuted. Oh, it's just going to get worse. But don't turn from your faith. Because look, even Jesus says, there will be those who will turn away from me and betray me because it gets hard for them. Don't turn away from Jesus. Don't betray him. Don't go their direction just because you want to please man. No, you must stand for truth. Because those who endure to the end will be saved. And yet though it looks crazy, listen, this, and if you've been around me, you know this is one of my favorite verses. That even though the world is going chaos, growing more and more chaotic, the kingdom, the preaching of the gospel is still being preached throughout every nation. Every nation. Hell, the devil, and his legion of demons, and those who are enslaved to their flesh are doing everything they can to stamp out the good news. To stop God. 
But no matter how much hell wants to try, no matter how much the demons want to try, no matter how much mankind who is bound to their flesh want to try, they cannot stop what God has planned. And God is allowing them to do all this. Do you know why he's allowing them to do all this? To expose them for who they are, so at the end of time, when he passes judgment on them, he's without fault. He's without fault. I've given you the opportunity to love me. I've given you the opportunity to come to me. But you said no. You said no. You said no. So now, for eternity, you will live apart from me. Come on, you all. This is God. This is Jesus' words. And we can read them today. We ought to find comfort. And you say, oh, but I'm scared. Don't be scared. Grow in your faith. My God, prepare me for today. Go out there and speak truth, you all. Go out there and tell other people about Jesus. And tell them the real Jesus. Go out there and tell them all that he's done for them and how they should live. People, not everyone's going to accept it. They will laugh at you. They will mock you. They may even beat you. They may not be your friends anymore. They may not want you around them. But don't give up. Don't get sad. Don't grow weary. Trust God. Pray for them. Do you know we have brothers and sisters Christians who live overseas who are being killed for their faith? They know that when they accept Jesus that they could be killed that day. They could lose their homes. They could lose their families. Their families will disown them. And yet because they know Jesus is real, they don't care. God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. This is happening in our day and age. Believers are dying for their faith. And yet we want to preparate a a little come feel good message. Make me feel good, pastor. Tell me something nice about Jesus. This is nice. (laughs) This is the best news you could hear. Turn to Jesus. Love Jesus with all of your heart because he loves you. There is no fault found in God. He's holy, he's just, he's righteous, he's awesome. Like, I'm like, yes, Jesus. Though the world seems chaotic, hell is running amok, Jesus says, my message will still go out. My kingdom will still advance. Like, you want to be on the winning side, you all. You want to be on the right side. (laughs) You want to be on God's side. Because he's already conquered death. He's already conquered sin. He's victorious. He's ruling and he's reigning on his throne. Nothing is going to strip him of it. Nothing. Mankind can do whatever. Look at all the craziness that's happening in our generation. And it's only going to get crazier. But God is still on the throne. He says all of this will happen. All of it will happen. He goes on. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about the sacrilegious object that caused this desecration standing in the holy place. And then it says, readers, pay attention. 
Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater, greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be the same, so great again. In fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs will, and false prophets will rise up to perform great signs and wonders, so as to deceive, even possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't go and look, or look. He is hiding here. Don't believe it. For as lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it is with the Son of Man. So it is when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. Jesus' words, you all. Telling us what it's going to be like in the last days. Before his return. And I know people are worried. I know people are scared. But you ought not to be. As believers we're not scared. We're not worried. That's why we're the hope of the world. That's why we can go out and encourage others. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. He is our hope. He is our future. Why do you think the enemy is working overtime? He's going to raise up false prophets. He's going to raise up false messiahs. Everyone's going to be looking for some type of hope. Why do you think he's going to raise up all these false teachers in the last days, giving people the right to themselves? Because the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants you bound by fear. He wants you to be afraid. But you have to look at the enemy and say, I'm not afraid of what I see. I'm not afraid of you because I'm a chosen one of God. Amen. You have to know who you are. Each and every single day you get up knowing that I believe in Jesus. That I am covered by his blood. That I am victorious. That this earth is not my home. That my resting place will be with him. But until then there's work to do. Because look what's coming against the world. He said that the enemy is going to do great signs and miracles and wonders. And people are going to be led astray thinking that must be Jesus. And Jesus is saying, don't go that, don't go there. Don't go there. Just because something looks right doesn't make it right. Cling to Jesus, you all. Trust in Jesus. Be a part of the community that's believing in Jesus and trusting in Jesus so that you would not be led astray. The signs of the times. Go to Psalm 29. God is good, you all. Huh. All the time he is. 
There's no fault found in him. You can't blame him for anything. Though you may want to try, you can't escape from his presence because rather you rise, rather you lay down, rather you go in or go out, God is here. God is among us. So do not hold a stiff arm out against him because you want to continue through this world and through this life in your own strength. Careful of doing that. No, you want to be a people who are honoring God and loving God. Listen to how the psalmist penned this song. Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings, Psalm 29. Honor the Lord for his glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. In his temple, everyone shouts, Glory! The Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord, love this, gives his people strength. And the Lord blesses them with peace. Peace, you all. Remember? Turn from evil, do good, seek for peace, and work hard to maintain it. To trust in your Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He will make your path straight if you trust in Him. If you trust in Him. Not just saying you do, because saying doesn't mean anything. It's doing that really shows that you believe. That you're honoring God and that you're trusting God. Do you remember last week? I think it was last week or the week before. When God told Moses, bring the people close to the mountain. Like he wants to speak to them. And when he begins to speak, they were like, oh, oh, no, no, Moses, you speak, you speak. Because if we keep listening to him, we're going to die. They had a wrong image of God. It's no different than today. People can hear preaching. And they can get up from hearing truth and be like, oh, that's too much. Oh, if I keep listening to this, I'm going to die. I'm going to be heavy burdened. But that ought not be. That's the enemy lying to you and deceiving you. There's been many people who've come into church and they haven't gone back because they've been afraid of God. Yes, we ought to have a fear of God, but that fear of God, remember, should not drive us from God. It should drive us to God. If you have a fear of God and it's driving you from God, then you're listening to the enemy because God is gracious and God is good. And God is love. And He loves us. 
and his desires that we would come to him completely surrendered, trusting him and allowing him to transform us. It doesn't matter what desires are going on in front of and within you. It doesn't matter the sin that is so easily entangling you. But give it to him. He wants to transform you so that you will not continue to be a master, a slave to sin, but that you would be a slave to righteousness. He can and will transform you because God is great. Let's close in Proverbs chapter 7. Verses 6 through 23 is what we're reading today. Remember, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And oh, how we need wisdom in this generation. Proverbs helps parents parent their children. <laughs> teaching them the ways of the Lord. It is vital that we're teaching our children's, children the ways of the Lord. No matter what their age is. That you're reminding them, especially if you're a Christian parent, that you're reminding them, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Because this world wants to lead them astray. This world wants to cater to their flesh and their desires. This world wants to destroy them. And that's why as parents you've been entrusted to raise them up. And in a day and age when life isn't mattering to people, how sad. Our youth are killing each other. People are, are doing chaotic things. Abortion is at the highest that it's ever been. And I watched a video yesterday of these uh, doctors who do abortions, and they were dancing the dead babies, banging them up against each other, dancing with them. And my heart was so grieved. I was like, oh my God, are they kidding me? Like, life doesn't mean anything? Listen, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. We got we to gotta, we gotta respect life. So you have these youth who are just out, just killing, just doing, just everybody. Our youth are in need of prayer. Our youth are in need of adults who are Christians to love on them, to encourage them, to do what is right. Don't go the ways of this world. Yes, it looks like fun. Yes, it satisfies your need. And whoa, look at me. But in the end, it's nothing. In the end, it's nothing. When I hear how many youth have died, when I see the wickedness that's being done to the youth, I go, oh God, I don't lose heart. I trust in God. I say, God, I know you can move. I know that you can take what the enemy intended for harm and you can bring goodness out of it. Let us be a praying people. Let us be people who are going to step in and step up for our youth and say, listen, there's a better way. <clears throat> listen to this. This chapter or this proverb has to deal with warning about the immoral woman. But I want you to think just not of the woman who, who just sleeps around, who, who just is filled with sex and, and that's what she gives, but just perversion. 
Do you know how many youth are, are addicted to pornography? At a young age. I was. <laughs> I viewed it since a young age and I was consumed by it the majority of my life. Praise God. God has cleansed me from it. I don't need to go look out on it anymore or find satisfaction in it. But pornography is running amok. I mean, even on commercials, they're having sex with a hamburger. Women eat it like they're having sex with it. What kind of craziness is that? Our minds are being bombarded with these images to seduce us to come their way. But as Christians, we want to be going their way. <laughs> we ought to see it for what it is and say, no. No. There's danger in following perversion. There's danger in living a perverted life. Having sex and not being married. Sex when it's and, and having sex that's not and in order as God designed it between a man and a woman who are married. Sex is good, and God created sex for it to be good. But it is to be honored like everything else in our lives we're doing to honor God. And so if you're sitting here today and you're addicted to pornography, or you're you're having homosexual thoughts, or bisexual thoughts, or any other thoughts that is out of what God has designed and ordered, don't feel bad. Just come to God And repent. Ask God to give you a heart towards Him. Many years before I came to Christ, I lived crazy. I had sex and anything and everything. I lived crazy. And yes, I believed the lie. God hated me. But God's love came and rescued me. And I'm no longer that man. So if you're sitting here today and you're having issues and you don't know who to talk with or, or what to do, then come. You're not going to be you're not going to be yelled at. You're not going to get in trouble. But you ought to talk about it. And you can say whatever. I was born this way, this and that, whatever. We're all born into sin. But in Christ we're reborn to live the way that God has instructed. To live the way that God has designed. And it can be lived. If it wasn't so important, he wouldn't keep putting it all throughout Scripture. Through Scripture, it talks a lot about sex and perversion. It says here, in verse 6, While I was at my window of my house, looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men And one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. It was at twilight, in the evening, as deep darkness fell. The woman approached him, seductively dressed, barely no clothes on, and sly of heart, kind of looking innocent. She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay home. 
She is often in the streets and markets, soliciting at every corner. She threw her arms around him and kissed him. And with a brazen look, she said, I just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. You're the one I was looking for. I came out to find you and here you are. My bed is spread with beautiful blankets, with colored sheets of Egyptian linen. I perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses. Oh my, ready for this? For my husband is not home. He's away on a long trip. He has taken a wallet full of money with him and won't return until later this month. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. That's what perversion does, you all. It seduces you. It looks right. It feels right. And didn't you see how she did it? She flattered him. And in a day and age where boys are no longer allowed to be boys, when they're being stripped of their manhood, God help us. When they're being seduced by girls and women who are so insecure that you just need every man to do and be with them so they can feel as if they're accepted. How sad. And then the same goes for our young girls who are being seduced by young boys who have no idea who they are, but yet they just want to lay the girls down. And everyone is just giving themselves to everything and anything. And it's, what, it doesn't hurt you, so why should, why should, why should you care? Because I know how destructive it is. I know what the word of God says. He went at once with her. Instead of going, hey, hey, wait a minute. Like you can remain pure. You don't have to go lay around with anything and everyone. I'm so impressed when I see young people and young adults who are still virgins. Who are trusting God with their virginity and their purity of heart and mind. Who are trusting God to say, I'm not needing a man or a woman or anything else to satisfy me. No, I can remain pure until I'm with my spouse who can trust God. Listen, my mind was so disturbed with perversion. It was wicked, you all. The filth that I was involved with. And when I came to Jesus... My desire was to have a pure mind. That's what I cried out for. Because I knew the wickedness that was in me. I knew what my flesh longed for and craved for. For years. For years. And no one could have told me then. Because I wouldn't have listened. 
But oh, I wish I would have listened sooner. But I don't beat myself up over it. I'm just glad I listened when the Lord called. So I'm asking you today, are you listening? Or are you just being led astray by the beauty of perversion? She dresses herself up. Or he dresses herself, himself up. Or it's displayed to us like it's not going to hurt you. Just twerk it a little bit more. Do this, do that. Look sexy. How many people are longing just to be accepted because they don't, they don't feel like they are embraced by the way they look? How sad. Be content and at peace with how God created you. Because God creates everything good. He knows the hair on your head, the number of hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. He knows the depths of your innermost being. So don't be led astray, you all. Don't be led astray. Sin crouches at your door. And its desire is to master you, the Bible says. But then it tells you, but you must master it. And in and of yourself, you can't. Only through Jesus. Because he died. He, he paid the payment that should have been yours. And not only did he die and was he buried, but on the third day, he rose again. He defeated sin and death. There is hope that we can have in Christ. When I look back over the 21 years that I've walked with him, and then I look at the 20 some odd years I walked without him, I go, God, thank you. I couldn't have changed me. I, I, I don't, in and of myself, I wouldn't be up here preaching God's word to you. I would be running amok, hoping you would go run amok with me. No, you're a new person in Christ. No matter what your age is, you don't have to go the ways of this world. You can honor God. And that is my hope for us today, is that we would get up from this place and we would honor God. If you're not a Christian, I pray for you that you would come to Christ. That you would accept this free gift of salvation and love and that you would have a desire to grow as a Christian. If you are a Christian, I implore you to keep seeking Him. To keep growing. Don't just become complacent. Be like, oh, okay, whatever, oh, whatever. No, because you're going to get led astray. You're going to get led astray. Don't be led astray. Remain steadfast and rooted in Christ. Amen? I'm going to close this with this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer.